0: Hi everyone and welcome to Oliver Wyman's Reinventing Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Paul Ricard. Today I am with Wei Qi, a partner at Oliver Wyman. Uh, who is focusing on the intersection between pricing, sales, and marketing, and financial services? Welcome, Wei. Hi, Paul.
1: Very good to be here.
0: So, Wei, I think we're going to be talking about a lot of very interesting things around behavioral science and, and a few other themes around this. Uh, before we dive in, why don't you introduce yourself in a few words? Uh, sure, Paul.
1: Just maybe as a disclaimer, I actually didn't study behavioral science properly. I, my uh, academic background, was uh, what i call the left side of the brain which is purely you know analytics i actually have a phd in revenue management uh, from columbia Business school but i did get into behavioral science over the years uh, in you know in in consulting and as a practitioner right and 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 actually i realized the right side of the brain if i if i can put behavioral science there is equally important And, and oftentimes you see you know, opportunities to improve commercial outcome using analytics. But more often, you actually you know uh, find uh, even even bigger uh, improvements uh, through yeah. behavioral science. So that that's why I got into this. Uh
0: huh. So do you have a fun example of how you helped a client or an industry mix the left and the right side of the brain and you know achieve
1: something greater as a result? Kind of actually started. You know, with my PhD thesis, because you know, if, you, if you've been to any of the Disney stores, I would say after 2007, then you were subjected to the wrath of my PhD thesis, uh, and 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 it was actually an interesting combination of um, you know analytics and a little bit of a behavioral science, because the problem I was trying to solve for was called merchandise placement, uh, in other words, like the physical placement of products on the shelves, right? So as you can imagine. You know, t- people typically think about, you know, where to put products at the eye level and, and those usually are uh, high margin products, right? At Disney, there are two eye levels. Uh, there's the adult eye level and the kids eye level. And there are many yeah, products right. which are complementary to each other and substitute to each other. So, so my thesis was actually about studying the, the, the broader effects on demand as a result of location, right, of the item, placement of the item. But then the analytics actually was the main thing because I was trying to, uh, you know, solve the problem using a very efficient algorithm. That's why I said <laughs> they were able to implement it. <laughs> and if you've been there uh, recently or before, uh, then uh, you probably have the full effect.
0: So, so all the parents in the U.S. have you to thank for their kids being able to identify the most expensive items and and coming out of the the Disney store with a with a pretty hefty bill, right? Yeah,
1: probably.
0: Today, I was excited to talk with you about behavioral science and what this means for insurers in particular. And I know there's a, a range of perspectives that you have across the value chain. But maybe before we dive in. You know, everybody talks about behavioral science. Everybody thinks they know about behavioral science. What's your take on this? What's your definition? How should we think about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's basically studying the behavior and psychology of typically consumers, right? Um, and in, uh, understanding how they, you know, tend to behave at a point of sale, which is very important. As well as uh, you know, there's the, the the level of engagement in terms of how they actually use the product after they bought it, right? So whether this is right. insurance or any other financial services products, um, and so so typically behavioral science would actually study, you know, I, I would say you know one is the, the the behaviors that you tend not to expect because you know mm-hmm. a lot of the the. The traditional economic literature tends to focus on rational behavior and behavior science certainly does right. not focus uh, on rational side uh, of the behavior. So it's behaviors you don't tend to expect. And then secondly, it's the it's the potential psychological biases, right, that, that will lead to those behaviors that you don't expect.
0: I think the way you describe it is also look, as a company, as whether an insurance firm or anything, we have a lot of value to provide to the customers. We want to provide the more the more value. How do we actually help? make that point of cross and, and maximize value for for the customer as well right yeah no
1: absolutely and and um, you know people may have heard the term nudge um, you know they tend to equate that to behavioral science right so you know the the kind of the different ways of communicating um, you know the messages to actually get you to more likely right to to react mm-hmm. to something
0: if we think about insurance and maybe I don't know if, you know, starting about things at at point of sale, right? Uh, Whether it's uh, life insurance, home insurance, or anything else, you name it. I feel like a lot of what you just mentioned has a lot of applicability, both in terms of the the challenges and and barriers that are being felt today and and some of the potential uh, applications of behavioral science. So we'd love your take on this behavioral science at the point of sale for insurers. What's, uh, What's your take?
1: In the early 2000s, uh, you know, I was a college student and, uh, you know, I remember having to get, you know, one of those like, you know, uh, renter's insurance because it was renting, renting an apartment off campus and, you know, had to basically get covered. And if, if you recall that time, I mean, it was sort of web 1.0 era, uh, you know, just around the dot com boom.
0: We we just called it web at the time, right? Not web yeah, web that's true. Yes,
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> none of that web two web three, or whatever <laughs> that we had to deal with. But you know, at least there was a website, right? So so I was very excited because it was, you know reasonably tech savvy, I got on the website, um, you know, for a couple of those um, carriers that you know offer these type of renters insurance. But every single time, you know, after spending, I would say like five to ten minutes filling out the form the end result was a huge letdown. Why? Because once, you know, you fill out the form, as a consumer, you were expecting to get a quote, right? Because, you know, the whole point of, you know, doing self-service online is, you know, I want to be able to actually do my own research and shop. But every single time, you know, the the end screen was, thank you, we will give you a call. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and that, that basically meant, uh, you know, uh, there's a there's a gapping in what you were expecting, right? The the end process to be because you were actually half expecting that at least you get a price indication, right? You know, right. There, there weren't any expectations that you can actually fulfill everything, you know, digitally at the time because this was the first iteration, right, of uh, online fulfillment or, or you know the self self service channel. But but you know that end result was still a huge letdown, and I call that a behavioral barrier because what you will end up happening is because it's such a big letdown you will lose a lot of customers because of it you know they will close the browser they will forget about it you may you know call them to follow up but then you know they might treat that call as a you know just any other marketing calls right and then actually not pick up
0: a lot of insurance sales are still happening through agents uh still are a mix of you know direct online and uh, offline in person or on the phone or on zoom these days right what are some barriers that you're seeing today in that space and what can be done to uh, remove these
1: if we level set right insurance is a product that people don't usually think about you know uh, yeah. it's it's um, it's oftentimes a requirement uh yeah. because of certain transactions that you have to do right whether it's auto or home or you know anything kind of properly related or in other cases it's sort of know you start to realize that you need to have something like a life insurance the the product itself is fairly complex there's a lot of math behind it and you know even for us um you know that are supposedly working in the industry and actually understand the math or at least in principle um you know we we oftentimes you know actually behave more like you know an ordinary consumer when we actually buy our own insurance products so that's sort of the challenge it's not like an iphone people don't understand (laughs) you know the product as much as an iPhone. So in a typical sales journey, it's just too much information uh, typically, right? That that you're uh, giving to the customer. And of course, you know, a lot of it is because of compliance reasons because you have to disclose a lot of information, but it's information overload um, on the one hand. On the other hand, um, when a consumer actually doesn't know enough about a product, uh, you know, they will hesitate, right? And that's typical um, uh, behavior human behavior. Um, and, and if, if they hesitate and you don't do a good job in sort of intervening in that moment, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of talks about, um, for example, omni-channel best practices, uh, you know, if you're not able to just, you know, escalate and hand that over, uh, to a human at that point, uh, you will probably lose, uh, lose that sale because uh, again, as I said, it's so much easier, you know, even after 20 years of development in the web, right? The browser still has an X in the top right corner if you use a Windows machine. Uh, And, 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 you know, kind of clicking on that button is actually very easy. And there's a behavioral phenomenon, which is, you know, if you're you're faced with information overload, especially, you know, at a sales scenario, you know, it's it's much easier to just close the browser and walk away and not have to think about it.
0: What are the top, examples that that you feel have helped to remove some of these barriers
1: Um, so if you think about what i just mentioned you know insurance being a complex product so how do you actually simplify the messaging of this you know actually helping the customer to focus on the things they would comprehend on the one hand and also you know at the same time comprehend in a way that you know is still compliant right with all the regulations so there's that aspect um that you know has actually being applied uh in design principles and then there's the, the notion of, I would say, kind of sequencing of the messages and, uh, and the questions that they actually have to um, uh, respond to, uh, especially you know, during onboarding. You know, sometimes you know, a certain type of sensitive questions might be asked too early, and that kind of tick people off. Uh, and maybe there's a way to kind of uh, you know, re-optimize the sequencing uh, of it. Mm-hmm. In other cases, I recall you know, an a insurer tech called uh, Lemonade that everyone probably knows. Um, they actually came up with an idea of uh, asking you to sign an honesty pledge uh, early on during the onboarding process. Uh, And that that apparently drove wonders uh, on two things. One is, of course, it was originally designed to reduce uh, insurance fraud. And so that was effective uh, for that purpose. Uh, But then at the same time, it's also interesting that just by signing an honesty uh, pledge, it actually drove more completion rate to actually the, the onboarding process. So, so people actually, because they, they, they signed an the honesty pledge, they actually spend time <laughs> to complete all the forms as honestly as they can. And actually, you know, the net result is they actually ended up uh, getting onboarded.
0: That's very interesting. Are there other industries where you've seen this being handled pretty well and, you know, being where you've seen these barriers being removed across channels and to make it as seamless an experience as possible for the end customer,
1: yeah, banking, for example, you know has uh, also come a long way you know since the early days uh, you know of uh, of a web uh, web banking portal you know out of uh, Germany, for example, that they actually uh-huh. use an interactive digital tool at a point of sale uh, to help customers understand that you know they don't just come in transactionally for one product but rather, uh, you know, uh, there's an opportunity to explain the whole set of offers, uh, product right. offers that, you know, that uh, the bank would, would would have. And these are digital interactive tools. They're, they're designed using visuals. There's one visual that was particularly interesting, uh, where the bank basically used uh, jigsaw puzzles with, with each piece representing a product. And, you know, whether you're a brand new customer or, or an existing one uh, looking to, you know, uh, revisit uh, your uh, relationship with a bank, you know, as you can imagine, like the, the, the pieces that light up are probably products that you currently hold and they have different, right. you know, uh, color schemes and color coding. And, and just using something as simple as that um, is a lot more effective than a laundry list of products. As consumers, we are indeed myopic think- thinkers. And, and what I mean by that is we tend to react uh, to information that's presented in front of us right in that moment. Yep. Uh, and, and not really actually think outside the box. Uh, and, and, you know, you could be someone that has done the homework in terms of like shopping around and knowing, you know, the, the different kind of competitive set, but it doesn't matter. While you're in that moment making, making a decision, uh, you only react to information that's in front of you.
0: In a time where, you know, financial wellness, for example, as a whole is a big challenge that requires a lot of different solutions, right? There's both a set of unmet needs from the customer standpoint and ability for agents, for example, to provide a lot more value. So is there an avenue there, both in terms of product and solution design for behavioral science and, and all the things we're talking about to help design new offerings,
1: new products that will provide a ton of value for the customer? So how do you make sure that these products are packaged in a way? that will resonate with a few of those typical customer segments or use cases and so forth, I think that's something to think about. Because if you're just going with a sort of a build your own type of approach, it may only resonate with 10 to 20% of the population. And that's sort of the typical size of population want to actually spend the effort uh, to really understand. So coming back to the, the product question that you mentioned earlier, um, you know, if if you give me all the options and it's too many optionalities, as I said, you know that may appeal to 20% of the population that want to, you know, spend as much time as, as possible to be like Mr. Spock uh, throughout the day. But the, for the rest of us, for the majority, it's just too too overwhelming. So if you're able to actually simplify that and, and create a couple of those, you know, bundles, that actually might be very helpful. To...
0: Building on this from a pricing standpoint, pricing strategy standpoint, any other similar, you know, barriers or considerations or best practices or lessons that you you may have for our audience here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so I think pricing is an interesting thing because, of course, you know, insurance pricing is, you know, a heavily regulated, you know, exercise. But what I've seen is, you know, typically insurance pricing is cost plus, uh, meaning they figure out all the risk costs, and they just you know add a fixed margin on top. Um, it turns out that maybe it shouldn't be fixed margin uh you know and and I think especially for uh, certain type of products uh you know that are more emotional in nature, meaning when a customer looks at it you know with all the different things that they can get covered for and once they pay attention to you, right, they may actually ascribe certain type of features and benefits with a higher willingness to pay you know than uh than your typical fixed margin. So so so, kind of identifying what those are and understanding, um, you know, how to how to actually price that out is is actually a very interesting exercise.
0: I know we're we're coming up on time. Uh, it's been super super interesting. Maybe to uh, to wrap this up, we like to do a little bit of a words of wisdom segment here. So any any final words of wisdom you would have for our audience? Way.
1: You know, obviously, you know, behavior science is is. Um, it's a pretty interesting field and it's, it's fairly, fairly complex because it can be applied in many uh, different areas. Don't jump immediately to nudges. Remove barriers first before you apply any nudges uh, because uh, you know, if, if, you, if you don't do that, any amount of nudges won't get you yeah. past that barrier.
0: That's, that's a great one. Uh, well, Wei, thanks so much for your time. Uh, it's been great having you on. Uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Paul. Great to be here today. That was Wei key partner at Oliver Wyman. I am Paul Ricard, your host. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to you next time. For more information about our Reinventing Insurance series, you can find everything on our website at oliverwyman.com slash reinventing insurance. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next time.